0: Welcome to the podcast from the journal Addiction. Here's one of the full interviews I conducted to go alongside the January 2019 edition of the journal. This one is with Dr. Michael Amlung. We talk about his paper Price Elasticity of Illegal vs Legal Cannabis, a Behavioural Economic Substitutability Analysis. Would you just like to introduce yourself briefly?
1: Yeah, my name is Dr. Michael Amlung. I'm an assistant professor of psychiatry at McMaster University in Ontario, Canada. Um, I'm affiliated with the Michael G. DeGroote Centre for Medicinal Cannabis Research and the Peter Boris Centre for Addictions Research.
0: And the reason that I'm speaking to you today is because you've got a paper in the January issue of the journal Addiction. So could you just tell me a little bit about that paper?
1: Yeah, so this paper was really exciting for us, uh, mainly because uh, we were right on the eve of legalization of cannabis, recreational cannabis in Canada that happened in October. And we were interested in looking at how individuals' preferences might change when there was both legal and sort of illicit contraband cannabis available in the market. And so we used a a framework known as behavioral economics, which brings principles from economics and psychology together together. To understand how people make choices about different rewards. And so essentially what we did is we first looked at a sample of uh, participants from the United States, from states that had uh, legalized recreational cannabis. And what we were doing is we were looking at what's called substitution. So as the price of one commodity goes up, what happens to the consumption of an alternative that's also available? So in this case, it was substitution between legal and illegal cannabis. And we were interested and whether introducing legal cannabis into the market would in some way shift people's preferences away from their their street or illegal version. And
0: what did you find?
1: What we found is that people overwhelmingly tended to prefer the legal cannabis option relative to the so-called black market or contraband cannabis market. And there's a variety of reasons why that might be the case. It could be related to quality control standards. It could be uh, that the legal option of cannabis is produced in, uh, at least in some places, it's produced in facilities that have higher quality control standards, less chances of impurities known THC and CBD levels and what we found was that um, as the price of legal cannabis or as the price of illegal cannabis increased people tended to shift their preference toward the legal option it was right around between ten dollars and twelve dollars a gram that people showed this shift so we, we consider that kind of the sweet spot for pricing of legal cannabis
0: and how did you go about sort of assessing the in participants what what kind of methods did you use in your study?
1: So we use what's called a behavioral economic purchase task. And so this is a hypothetical measure that's been well validated for a variety of substances, included alcohol, cannabis, tobacco. And in this case, you're asking participants how much cannabis in grams they would consume at a a variety of prices. But what makes this task a little bit unique is it's a substitution paradigm. So we actually have two forms of cannabis available at one time. A legal option that's available at a fixed price of $10 per gram, and an illegal option that we vary the price from very cheap to up to around $30 per gram. And at each of those price levels, we ask people, how much cannabis would you consume from this source, and how much would you consume from the other source? And by looking at that, we can see how people place value on the two different options and also how uh, their preferences may change with increases in price. And then we flip it and we make the legal option adjusting and the illegal option fixed price. And then we can look at the symmetry between the two.
0: What do you think are the kind of implications from your findings?
1: I think one of the main implications that we found is that when both options are available in the market, um, that... Cannabis users in the States, and we've actually replicated this since in a Canadian sample, they will tend to prefer the legal option um, from a dispensary as long as it is priced appropriately and that all of those connotations of a legal market are in place, such as quality control standards, known CBD THC levels, the fact that it will not have other other uh, impurities, etc. And we think this has important implications for Uh, jurisdictions that are considering legalizing cannabis. So when we were conducting this study, uh, cannabis was not yet legal in Canada. Since we've published the findings, cannabis has become legal in Canada, and we are interested in seeing how these price points that they set for legal cannabis will affect people's consumption from the so-called black market and the legalized market. Because one of, the, one of the leading reasons for legalizing cannabis in Canada that the federal government provided was that they expected legalizing cannabis to dampen or uh, essentially suppress the black market. And we're trying to apply some economic principles, some behavioral economic principles to understand the, the, the best case scenario for making that happen. So
0: is this, this work kind of an ongoing process then? Have you got plans to follow it up now that legality has changed in Canada?
1: Yes, we have. So when we when we ran our first study in Canada, um, it was uh, just recently been accepted for publication in another journal, uh, we found essentially the exact same patterns of results. Now, the, the monetary amounts were slightly different because of the difference between the Canadian dollar and the US dollar, but we still saw this preference. And then what we're doing to follow up is we're planning to run another study six months from now, and then maybe another one uh, a year from now, so that we can see whether these preferences change once there actually is legal cannabis in the market because in some ways in a place like Canada it almost is a natural experiment because we have data from pre-legalization and we'll be able to collect data from post-legalization and it'll be very interesting to see whether any of these uh, expected effects of legalization that that the policymakers are are anticipating will actually happen.
0: Yeah, really, really exciting time. So another question I had is are there any kind of Caveats or sort of limitations that you'd like to highlight about this work in terms of for people who are reading it, what are the things that you'd like them to bear in mind while they're reading it?
1: Well, I think we need to we need to keep in mind that this data was co- at least the, the data that's published in Addiction was collected uh, via an Amazon MTurk sample, and it was restricted to U.S. states that have legalized recreational cannabis. So what we mean by that is it's entirely possible that the findings may not generalize to other U.S. states that have not enacted uh, favorable cannabis policies yet. The other thing to keep in mind is that inherent in all of these uh, sorts of behavioral economic measures is that the choices are hypothetical. And so people were not actually making choices for real cannabis, real legal versus real illegal cannabis, although some of our work has shown that the hypothetical tasks do show a close correspondence to actual consumption at least for alcohol and tobacco. It has yet been yet to be determined for, for cannabis. But I think the take-home point is that I think the findings are relatively robust. We looked at a variety of different possible uh, moderating factors and the findings were consistent across age group. They were consistent between men and women. They were consistent between lower and high income. But it still is the case that the findings are, are inherently from a, uh, from a hypothetical task that uh, eventually would be would be interesting to do more of a an actual marketplace with smaller quantities but actual marijuana
0: and are there any kind of key take home messages that you'd like people to take away from your paper?
1: I think that the one interesting uh, take home point is that we've seen an expansion in the application of behavioral economics research uh, behavioral economic concepts in the area of addiction, and this study we think shows a really unique promise for using Uh, rigorous behavioral economic measures to understand how people make decisions. I think uh, an interesting next step will actually be to combine this work with some qualitative uh, research where we actually ask cannabis users, why are you using from an illegal source versus a legal source? And then combine that with our quantitative measures, looking at uh, value of the rewards and decision-making – so we can get a better picture for we have some assumptions about why people are consuming from one source or the other but really combining methods across disciplines will be really uh, interesting to see how this plays out so yeah we are a uh, we are a research center focusing on the the potential harms and the potential benefits of cannabis but we are it's important to note that the Michael G. DeGroote Center at McMaster University is not pro-cannabis or anti-cannabis. We are pro-data. So we are trying to collect as much evidence as possible to inform policymakers and other stakeholders that, that are uh, you know, have important decisions to make around this. But this study is not to, to claim that we, we feel that legal cannabis is superior or any other way.
0: Well, that seems like a good place to wrap it up. So Dr. Michael Amman, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today.
1: Thank you very much for featuring our work.